Welcome. You're listening to the CMS Podcast, where legal experts and industry leaders give you key insights on current legal topics. In today's podcast, the CEO of Cement DAO, Eden Yago, talks about the role of stablecoins. The podcast is recorded during the Tokenized Assets Conference in Amsterdam. Please visit our podcast channel for other podcasts in this series. Enjoy the podcast. Next is scheduled a session on stablecoins, about stablecoins. First, we'll have Eden Yago, who's with Cementdao. He will um, tell you all about the role of stablecoins. And at the end of his presentation, he will invite um, two persons here, Miklos and Marco. They both uh, are running a stablecoin, and they will have a panel session as well. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I came in this morning... And like many of you, I made a beeline straight to the coffee. And um, when I got to the coffee, I saw there was a bowl with lots of candy in it. And I picked up one of these candies because it, um, it, it, it caught my eye. So um, maybe you guys have noticed that uh, the candy bowl is full of money. It's full of these little black uh, gummy euro coins. And to me, this is extremely important. The uh, euro has, you know, it's a pretty new currency, broadly adopted in Europe, but it has become so pervasive, so identifiable, that every single child knows what it is and is happy to consume it. And this is our challenge. So I had got into blockchain many years ago, and at the time there was only Bitcoin, and many people had a dream that cryptocurrency would be used by everybody. And here we are, 10 years later, and the primary use of cryptocurrency is what? Investing. What? Investing. Investing. Investing is a very nice way of saying speculating, which is a slightly less nice way of saying gambling. What effectively people are doing is they're buying and selling and trading and hodling because they think they're going to make a lot of money. But cryptocurrencies are not being used as what they're called. They're not being used as currencies. There are effectively zero cryptocurrencies. They're crypto assets, crypto tokens, utility, whatever. But um, the real challenge is can we go beyond just speculation? Because otherwise, at some point, this indeed will turn out to be the longest, most spectacular bubble that humankind has ever created for itself. And I think that uh, that is the attraction of stablecoins. Now, a lot of people think that the reason that cryptocurrencies do not exist and all we have is speculation and gambling is because of volatility. And volatility certainly plays a very important role. It's extremely difficult to use something as an ordinary means of exchange if you don't know what it's going to be worth or how much it's going to buy today, tomorrow, and certainly not in a month. But there's an even stronger reason, and, and that's why I, I like this candy so much. The truly uh, most important reason is familiarity. Cryptocurrencies as, a, as a, a unit of account and as a medium of exchange are so powerful because they're like a social network. Everybody knows what the currency is. Everyone's familiar with it. They know that they can use it to buy and to sell. Um, they know that they can use it as a store of value. They know that it will have a certain amount of value tomorrow. And that familiarity 
as well as a reduction in volatility, is what stablecoins introduce into the cryptocurrency world, introduce the advantages of blockchain to familiar assets. Now, there's a whole bunch of conversation about what stablecoins are. I don't really care. Um, I think it's a pretty poor name, but what most people mean and what most people expect it to mean is that it is a token which represents something which could be used as a currency, which has... Uh, which is pegged to an external thing, something outside of the blockchain, which has a familiar value. The most important ones today are uh, the dollar, the euro, and to a lesser extent, uh, Swiss franc, yen, and yuan, and also to a lesser extent, and more niche, gold. But I think what we should be thinking about is focusing on the pound, the euro, the dollar, and the major currencies of the world. So what is the uh, market for stablecoins? And this is the truly dramatic thing about stablecoins. They're quite young. They really have only had any substantial traction for the past two years, but they are the fastest growing part of the blockchain or cryptocurrency world by far, and they're having a dramatic impact on the space. So there are two kinds. We've started out with Tether, and, and since have created a huge number of uh, uh, other types of sort of centrally backed stablecoins that are backed by funds in a bank account like USDC, PAX, um, but we also have stable coins which are tracking, for example, the dollar without having dollars in a bank account anywhere, which is a truly remarkable achievement. The most prominent among them is DAI, and it uses a system of people effectively over-collateralizing a smart contract in a totally decentralized way with Ethereum, with enough Ethereum that you always know that you can redeem your token for at least one dollar worth of Ethereum. And perhaps the most dramatic and most controversial part of the stablecoin world is the algorithmic coins. Many people expect that they will be a complete failure because they're not backed by anything except an algorithm to increase or decrease the supply as demand goes up or down. But we already have some examples of them. So for example, synthetics, which is the most a substantial example of it has gone in, up in terms of market cap over the last month, 16x from $1 million circulating to $16 million circulating. And right now is doing a pretty good job of tracking its value to the dollar as well. Now, if algorithmic stable coins work, that is an extremely exciting innovation because it's effectively a way that the cryptocurrency world, um, without having to have any asset backing it, except for a monetary, an algorithmic monetary policy, is able to introduce new currency into the world and effectively compete with the ECB or the Federal Reserve. Now, uh, this, so the, 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 the market is, a, is increasingly fragmented. There's a huge number of different stablecoins, many of them mixing the, the, what they're picking to and the way in which they're picking. Um, anyone want to guess how many stablecoins are currently live? What would be a number that would make sense, given that there's probably, you know, several hundred state, you know, cryptocurrencies which people actually are transacting in? Well, the answer, sorry? 50. 50 is a good guess. So, right now there's 225 stablecoin projects that have been announced. The vast majority of them over the last two years, we expect... And that 2019 will near reach or possibly even eclipse the number of new projects being announced. And already 70 of them are trading. But that fragmentation is only part of the story. 
The bigger part of the story is the fact that while their market cap has a total uh, percentage of the total market cap of uh, cryptocurrencies, which is dominated by Ripple, Ethereum, and Bitcoin, is still quite small, um, hovering between uh, around 1.8 and 2.3%. Um, it's the fastest growing part of the market cap. But even more remarkable is that of the trading volume in the cryptocurrency world, on the exchanges, it represents half of the trading volume. In other words, uh, and that's not, not a big surprise, it's happening because you're trading some kind of crypto volatile asset against a crypto stable asset, and it represents one half of all of the trades. In other words, people are using it as the uh, currency in the cryptocurrency world. And so what I think we can expect to start seeing is we're going to start seeing exchanges tokenizing their fiat holdings as well. We're going to be, start seeing many more entrants from the payment space, from the uh, regular institutional space. And it is, would be extremely unsurprising to me if two years from now, the majority of the market cap of the cryptocurrency world was actual cryptocurrencies in the form of stable coins. Um, so, Let's talk about the use cases. There's one clear use case we've already mentioned, and that use case is speculation. And indeed, if you, by and large, look at the cryptocurrency world, that is basically the only use case that exists for cryptocurrencies, with the exception of uh, cross-border payments, uh, which uh, is currently dominated by Bitcoin and actually is worth many tens of billions of dollars a year, but is quite difficult to track because the people who are using it don't typically talk about the fact that they're using it. But, um, outside of those two uh, use cases, um, there has been very little actual development in the cryptocurrency space, with the exception now of the growth of what is called DeFi, uh, Distributed uh, uh, Decentralized Finance. And the primary thing that is currently happening in decentralized finance is lending. Now, the DeFi space is a set of smart contracts, or dApps, which are applications which allow people to borrow and to lend and are being used in all sorts of ways. They're being used in order to uh, generate leverage for trading, but they're also being used by people who want to do peer-to-peer -peer lending, especially in countries where there's relatively little accessibility to that. Sorry. Um, uh, such as uh, Southeast Asia. And um, this space is entirely being driven currently by stablecoins. One stablecoin in particular is actually a, a hybrid model. It is a, cur a currency and a lending mechanism as well. And in the last year has issued over $300 million worth of loans. That in and of itself, just that one dApp. Now, to give you a sense of proportion, if you guys think about the peer-to-peer -peer lending space, right, it started in the United States with two companies. Uh, Prosper and Lending Club, Lending Club being the bigger one. But together, Prosper and Lending Club um, took uh, 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 almost four years to reach $150 million in loans issued, whereas Maker, which is just one part of the DeFi space, has issued $300 million in the space of a year. So the growth here, while still small, um, is uh, a foretelling of a multi-billion dollar opportunity. And then even 
a clear, uh, even uh, more clearly representing the fact that this is a multi-billion dollar opportunity is the type of entrance we see coming into the space. JP Morgan have launched a US dollar pegged stable coin. Uh, Samsung are planning to launch one which will be inbuilt into the secure uh, hardware systems that they are starting to launch on all of their phones. Facebook, obviously, um, uh, have been m maybe the biggest name in this space. Uh, planning to launch next year what is currently being called Global Coin, and which they are hoping is going to become the internal currency of the Facebook ecosystem and beyond, uh, which is probably the reason they're creating it as a cryptocurrency. And IBM have been involved in issuing uh, stable coins in 16 different currency pairs. So we're starting to see extremely large entrants entering the space, which is increasing the excitement, the utility of the space, um, but also its fragmentation. So what does the future of stablecoins hold then? Uh, and I think what we're going to see is the same thing that we've seen repeat many times in the cryptocurrency space. We're going to see a huge amount of enthusiasm, a huge amount of experimentation, and unfortunately a huge amount of stupidity. Um, so the fact that uh, crypto collateralized coins like DAI or algorithmically generated coins like uh, synthetics exist and can exist, now creates an opportunity for entrepreneurs to do something which they've never really had the opportunity to do before, which is attempt to disrupt the market of currency itself. You know, for thousands of years, people have claimed to have been doing all kinds of jobs. Some people said that they were a butcher, another person was a car salesman, another person was a doctor. Right? But all of them were effectively in the same business. They were all in the business of making money. Entrepreneurs now have an opportunity to uh, cut out that middle uh, activity and go straight to the actual making money uh, opportunity. And this is going to be an extremely attractive thing to a lot of people, many of whom are going to fail. And so I expect we're going to see a large, number of, a large amount of experimentation in the space. Um, and as things like JP Morgan coin and Facebook coin become popular, uh, there's going to be a huge opportunity for people who are less scrupulous to take advantage of that hype. Um, but, we're, but what that will generate is a huge amount of uh, innovation, and that innovation is going to increase the fragmentation in the space, uh, but it's going to generate a huge number of new ideas. It's probably going to be the, 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 the story, when people look back 20 years from now, of how we reinvented money, Maybe Bitcoin will be how we reinvented digital gold, but it's going to be stable coins that is going to be how we reinvented money. And because of this fragmentation, there's also going to be a need for interoperability systems in the space. And um, uh, that brings me to uh, think about what the risks here are. So when people think about the risks in stable coins, there's one risk that everyone always mentions, which is that maybe... And, and it's, it's based on sort of our understanding of where stablecoins have been up until now, which is that the stablecoins will not have the correct amount of assets backing them. The biggest example of stablecoins uh, is Tether. And everyone knows uh, that it is suspected that Tether maybe don't have all of the dollars that they claim to have in order to back all of the dollars that they claim to represent on the chain. But this is just one of many, many different risks uh, which... Because the space is so young, people haven't even begun to realize uh, the number of idiosyncratic risks and uh, ways that the system can fail uh, in this space. So one very clear risk is regulation. So for example, today, 
the safest stable coins are considered the ones which are regulated in the US. USDC, PAX, uh, Gemini, these are coins uh, from regulated entities that are supposed to be backed one to one by dollars in a bank and therefore they're supposed to be safe. And let's assume for a moment that they are actually 100% safe, that these regulated entities are properly regulated and they act appropriately. It still could prove that people who hold these tokens end up losing a lot of money. How? Well, what if US regulators or FATF, which uh, we've heard many times uh, mentioned today, decide that you're no longer allowed to transact freely in these coins. You're only allowed to transact between KYC addresses. Or you're only allowed to transact if you can prove that the transactions that you're performing have no link in the future or in the past to Iran or to Russia or to other sanctioned entities. This is not a, um, a difficult to imagine scenario, but it could effectively mean that a huge number of coins that people thought were safe become worthless or uh, at, at minimum trapped. Um, there's also questions about the governance of these systems. Who is managing them? Some of these systems are managed by a small group uh, in an opaque way. Some of them are managed in a decentralized way, like Maker. Maker, for example, had managed to combine two risks recently. Uh, one was the uh, uh, a risk to the governance, and it was driven by the discovery of a critical bug, a critical bug in their system, which they managed to correct, but if they hadn't managed to correct it in time, would have allowed an, uh, a hacker to effectively manipulate the governance of the system. And so that means that we now introduce a new type of risk to money, which you really haven't had to deal with, uh, which is technical risk. And then, of course, the, the same scalability issues that we have with the blockchain space in general um, are going to be even uh, uh, clearer and possibly worse when it comes to stablecoins if they begin to be used um, in high frequency transactions, for payments, for trading, etc. So I'll uh, end by telling you a little bit about the work that I'm doing. Uh, the project that I work on is called Cement DAO. It's a decentralized protocol. It's not based on any particular blockchain. It works on multiple different blockchains and the idea is to allow experimentation in fact, encourage experimentation and the issuance of all of these different stablecoins, but at the same time make them useful to people. So one of the problems that we have right now is just in this brief talk, I have mentioned all these different stablecoins. I've mentioned DAI and PAX and TUSD and USDT, which is different from TUSD, and synthetics and uh, you know the, the list two goes on for, for down 200. Now, now that is a very, very different situation than just having the euro, and everyone knows what the euro is. And in fact, the euro is a lovely example because it's issued in every single European country independently, but it's still one thing. So one of the goals of Cement is to be a decentralized, community-driven protocol which can unify these different uh, instances, still allow multiple different issuers, still allow uh, a large amount of experimentation, but make it easier for developers to issue die or packs, but for you, the end user, not to have to care which one you're using. In fact, uh, I could have die, uh, um, uh, Miko uh, could need uh, USDC, I send die, and what Cement does, it will auto-convert that die into USDC, and then everyone is transacting in dollars or in euros without having to think about uh, what the underlying system is. Um, and so in that respect, we're kind of like a visa 
for stablecoins. Visa is not an issuer of credit cards. Visa is a protocol which allows many different banks to issue credit cards and yet for them all to be used by everyone to pay anyone at any merchant. Um, and then the next thing that we need to do is make sure that what happened with the ICO world never happens with the stablecoin world. The ICO world was built around gamblers and so it was fine that a lot of them lost a lot of money. It would in fact have been extremely surprising if they didn't. But stablecoins are going to be totally different. They have no upside, they're designed to be a store of value and a medium of exchange and so we have to make sure that the users, if we want mainstream adoption, are protected from the risks of us experimenting in good faith or in bad. And so the other thing that Semen Dao does is it provides the community with a way to act together to curate the system and effectively remove um, bad stablecoins before they're launched or even after they're launched and are discovered to be a failed experiment from the system without impacting or introducing systemic risk into the stablecoin space. Um, and so what we're looking to do is to solve the problem, the twin problems of, of, of fragmentation. On the one hand, aggregating the space and making it usable to everyone, and at the same time protecting people without forcing them to understand the nuanced differences between TUSD and USDT. So um, because this is a community effort, I encourage all of you to uh, get in touch with us. Please join our Telegram. We are um, launching tomorrow, actually, a way for the community to already begin governance of the system prior to the system's launch and we hope that this is going to be uh, the tool which is going to help drive mainstream adoption of cryptocurrencies to the benefit and to the safety of everyone. Um, before I call the panel, um, perhaps uh, I would take one or two questions from the audience and then we'll go into a panel on stablecoins. Yes, sir. You started your story that we had a dream that everybody going to use cryptocurrency in, currency in the future. Uh, I still hope so. Um, but that was because uh, the currency now has a lot of downsides. And one of them is uh, that there, uh, there's inflation from every coin. This, and we all know the dollar has lost 96% uh, uh, since 1913. So, when you have a stable coin and you put, uh, you uh, connect it with uh, the currency uh, now, it will always, uh, yeah, it stably loses value. That's right. Yeah. And that's the big downside. So uh, uh, why don't uh, the stable coins don't? Uh, you mentioned gold or something. Um, yeah, I, so I think that's an excellent question, right? That what we know is that the dollar, the euro, all of these different currencies uh, s slowly lose value unless it's the pound, in which case it dramatically loses value, um, which has made life <laughs> in the UK much cheaper. Um, and, and so the question is why don't we you create a new type of stability? And the answer is what I started with. The answer is familiarity. We need something that kids can eat in the form of candy to get people started. People aren't going to simply switch to an entirely new standard. However, and here's the really exciting thing, um, if stablecoins work, and they will, I think, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to remove the monopoly that the ECB have in creating euros. You're going to remove the monopoly that the Federal Reserve have in creating dollars you're actually going to create a competing uh, system of creating them. And in doing so, you could 
for example, through a protocol like Cement, have a competing way of managing monetary policy. Now, this isn't going to happen immediately. First, you need to get network effects and adoption. But if you have network effects and adoption, then, um, on the one hand, you potentially discipline the Federal Reserve and the ECB. Or if they are undisciplined, the community can come together and say, look, we already have a euro. It's used as frequently, maybe even more frequently than the cash that the ECB print. We are going to stop inflating and then people will have a choice. They can use the ECB's euro or they can use our euro. And now uh, that is uh, the, truly a way of the freeing money from the control of centralized organizations and, and to my mind it is sort of the, the greatest expression. I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. Um, and I think the focus of our industry needs to be utility, familiarity, ease of use for mainstream adoption. Once we have that, we can um, truly wrestle with the fundamental problems of money. Thank you for listening to the CMS podcast. Did you enjoy this podcast? Please visit our podcast channel and use the subscribe button to stay up to date on legal content. Until next time.